You're listening to the 1208 Podcast from 1208 Greenwood Free Methodist Church in downtown Jackson, Michigan. everybody uh, today we're going to do a little uh, side project here so if you can't see well maybe you've made bread at home and you don't need to see in the first place but in case you haven't we're going to tell a little parable and our parable is in mark 13 you ready it's like the shortest thing i've ever read to you ever out of the bible jesus says this he told them another parable the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. It rhymes, right? That a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So we're going to do a little cooking experiment here. Let me check my water. Still pretty warm. But uh, I'm pretty bad at cooking, so I tried this earlier, and uh, it was just to make sure that I could do it right. But uh, then I just threw it in the oven for funsies. And it tasted like bread when it came out. So I'm doing okay over here. All right, so first we've got our leaven here. This is leaven, yeast. In this case, fast rise yeast. So it, uh, you know, helps your bread rise quicker. And there's really not that much of it. Everybody sees the packet, right? So in the magic trick, it's very thin, hardly anything in it compared to all of this flour that I'm going to mix the two together. So we're gonna put all this yeast, this small amount of yeast in here. And Jesus says that this is like the kingdom of heaven, this yeast that I put in here. Now, you probably know how yeast works, right? It's a living organism, and it's going to release certain chemicals that is going to cause the rest of the bread to rise. So, uh, I've also got in here some sugar, because that helps uh, bread rise a little bit more. I've mixed some salt in there as well. We've now got our nice yeast, sugar, and uh, uh, salt mix. And add some oil so this doesn't all get stuck to the pan inside because you know my wife loves it when I do that to her stuff and uh, what is that all about over there and then uh, we need two and one fourth cups of warm water thank you because if we're hot we will kill the yeast because it's alive like jello all right, so we've got that all mixed together. Looks real soupy. Anybody want to drink it? Yes. I knew you would. Hey, look, if this was a youth group service, you'd be drinking it by the end of the night. You know how it goes. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, we would we would put it in a carbonation machine, and then you would drink carbonated yeast oil. Mmm, delicious. Now we're going to add in some flour. Now, here's the thing, okay? This is six and a half-ish cups of flour. Not very much, not super heavy, not like I'm holding a baby or something, right? Okay, so we need to start mixing it up here. Usually I just grill steak and stuff, so taming and baking, not good mix. Doing what I can here. We're mixing in some six and a half-ish cups of flour. But here's the thing, in today's parable, Jesus said this woman hid some yeast, that leaven, she hid some yeast inside of three measures of flour. Anybody know their ancient math skills? Anyone? 
could, because you'd be weird if you did. Okay, so three measures of flour. Jesus is saying a woman hid some yeast inside of 50 pounds of flour. Leave it to Jesus. He's always over-exaggerating when he tells these parables. 50 pounds is a lot of bread to make in one day, okay? It's like this woman's not running a bakery. She's just making bread at home. Because he just said, woman, you know, just make bread. So, uh, we're going to amp this up. Last time I did this, I was like, close to 50 million. My wife was not happy with him. So. What was that? You want to share with everybody, honey? We're fine. It's bread. What could go wrong? It's fine. It's just bread, everybody. Chill out. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like bread and everything. Yeah, good stuff. Okay, so we now have our nice, toasty, warm bread here. Let me turn that back on. Uh, we've only made six cups of flour worth of bread, not 50 pounds of it. And we've used our yeast as the uh, leaven to make sure that it rises. But, of course, you all know if you've made bread before, and it's possible you haven't because this is the urban world. I'm, I've made it like once, and that time I stuffed cheese in it. It was good. Well, actually, it was bad. I didn't do it right, but it looked good and smelled good. Um, now we're going to take our nice bread here, do that thing where you make it look bready. Shape it. Yeah, that's the word. Make it look bready, shape it, same thing. Eat it. That's right. I didn't bring uh, one of those rolly thingies. Rolling pin, thank you. <laughs> so I'm not going to rolling thingy it. I'm just going to shove it inside of this. So, I want it down all the way so that we all remember Jamin's bread did not come over the top of this thing, right? Everybody take a look. It's inside. Everybody sees it? Now watch. I'm not going to do anything to it. Just watch it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to heat it up in here because 1208 is notoriously cold when it shouldn't be and too hot when it shouldn't be. So we're just going to leave it inside of some hot water to boil our bread. A common step in making bread, you boil it. <laughs> Nobody go home and make bread after this lesson. Um, yeah. <laughs> Alright, so now we've got our bread. And here's the thing that we're going to find. That small amount of yeast, of course, that we put inside of this, just a a few little drops of it, one tiny little packet. Of course, you know how bread works. It's going to cause this to rise magically in front of your eyes, and you're not going to see it happen. We all know the uh, old saying, right? Uh, watch pot never boils. Because we've all tried it before, where you go up and you want to just make some noodles really quick, so you throw it on the oven, and then you just stand there, and you're like, huh, it just doesn't move very quickly, does it? Of course, if you walk out of the room and you come back, what happens? It's already boiling and overflowing and your kitchen smells like burnt ramen. But uh, that's just me, maybe. Um, but that's usually how life works, right? If we were to stand there and watch, sure enough, we would see eventually a little bit of ripples in the water. It's getting hot. Then we would see uh, the sides of the pan start to bubble up. And eventually we'd see it 
start to boil with all of these bubbles coming up. But it takes a long time and watching it feels pointless because you can hardly tell the difference. But you walk away and you come back and it's very clear what's happening. In the same way, a watched bread dough never rises. Is that a statement? We're just going to say it's a statement. A watched bread dough never rises. We could stare at this all we want and you're about to because it's just chilling there. And yet, you're not going to see it make a lot of movement. Now, if you took your phone and you did a time lapse and sped it up to like 2,400 speed, you would watch the bread go, you know, right? But we're going to just sit here for the next 45 minutes. This is all my messages. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) And just stare at this. And you're not going to notice it moving at all. But at some point throughout the rest of the evening and the next 50 minutes of service, you're going to notice, you know what? It was underneath the lid of that measuring cup. And at the end of service, you're like, it's not anymore. It has actually moved above it. Just a small amount of leaven has affected that giant lump of dough. And here's the thing with leaven. It can't not do that. It has to do that. By nature, that's what leaven does. And so in today's parable, Jesus comes and he says, a woman hid a small amount of lemon, lemon, leaven. A woman hid a small amount of leaven, a small amount of yeast inside of 50 pounds of flour. And then the whole thing rose. That's what yeast does. I'm not very good at this, admittedly. Uh, I can be a little bit of an impatient person. Um, And uh, I can always tend to hope for more effects, faster effects. In fact, that seems to be the nature of my personality. So lately I did that whole Enneagram thing. Anybody ever try this thing out? The Enneagram is like this ancient personality test. So today we have like the Myers-Briggs, right? Figure out if you're introverted versus extroverted or any of those other characters. Back in the day, they had their own personality quiz, but it helped you kind of figure out between nine different personalities the one that you were. Now, this is not a Christian thing, but one day some Christian monks came and said, we admire and value how the Enneagram works. In the same way, pastors come and they say, we value how the uh, uh, Myers-Briggs works. Then they said, but we got to figure out, like, uh, if, if you happen to have a personality like the Enneagram says, what would be the weakness of your personality? What would be the deadly sin that would be your struggle in life? And so they started to assign to different personalities the deadly sin. Now, I found out, I think, that I'm a number four, which apparently is not unusual for musicians. So if you're a musician in the room, you might be a number four yourself. Except Janae, she gets a pass. For some reason, she's not. Um, But um, the number four, apparently my deadly sin, according to this personality quiz, if you will, is envy. And that kind of caught me off guard. I was like, envy? Really? Like, I don't usually find myself commonly around, like, moments where I'm like, oh, if I just had everything that everybody else had, my life would be great. You know, like that whole... In fact, in fact, that kind of mentality usually drives me nuts. Like, the whole, you like my hair? Gee, thanks, just bought it. That thing, you know, the song's going on today. I don't even know the song. My brother's always singing it. Blame him. That's why it's stuck in my head. Um... Uh, But all these songs today are just about like, yeah, I got all the stuff, all the money, all this, all that. I'm the greatest. And I'm just like, what a turnoff. It's so weird. Like, that doesn't sound 
fun to me or exciting to me or like that would make my life better. So I'm like, envy, really? That's my struggle? But then as I started to stop and think about it, I realized like as far as my personality goes, envy tends to find its way into my life in other ways. So for example, like I said, I am a musician. And when you create art, you usually hope that that art will be recognized by others or that others will enjoy it like you did, right? Like uh, uh, so often I'll get caught up in this art and it'll just take over my life for some time as my wife can attest to. Suddenly Jamin's just like impenetrable. You can't get through to him because he's working on either a book or some music or something. He is in the zone. Uh, So like the last album I made, I hit that point harder than I ever have because for the first time in my life, I stayed up for the entire night by accident. (laughs) Like usually for like a youth group overnighter is the only time like where I have to stay up to make sure all these kids don't kill each other or eat bad things for themselves. Um, But in this case, like I was working on finishing the, the album. I'm like, I can't wait to finish this. I'm so excited. Can't wait for people to hear it. And then next thing I know, it's like eight o'clock in the morning, Jody and the kids get up and I'm like, oh, I forgot to sleep, didn't I? (laughs) Like, that's how excited you get about art. And so when you put that much passion and time into something like that, you usually hope that there would be some kind of response or enjoyment from the rest of the world, right? Uh, The things that you make, whatever it might be, whether it's a good meal or maybe you like to knit or quilt or build things, whatever the case may be, when you're done with that, you like people to admire it and enjoy it. Um, And so that would be the case for me after I finished a a book that I'd be working on or uh, music that I'd be working on. The hope, of course, would be now I can share this with others. And usually if you look at like the amount of time invested into one of my projects versus the, the interest of people around, like they don't really equate very much at all. Uh, and so envy begins to set in on me. And I begin to think to myself, oh, if I could just have the reach that others have, if I could just have the impact or or the voice to be able to get this out there, or the money to invest into advertising for one of these things. You know, the list can go on and on. Uh, and then I realize when I step back, oh, you know what, Jamin, you spend a lot of time caught up in envy. How what does this have to do with this bread? What does this have to do with the kingdom? We're, we're getting there. The thing is this, the bread is a very, very slow moving object. The yeast is a very, very small amount of yeast, unproportionate to all the flour that I put in there. And yet Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this amount of yeast stuck into 50 pounds of flour. It does have an effect. It has to have an effect. By nature, the kingdom of heaven always has an effect. And it begins to leaven even the ridiculous amount of 50 pounds worth of dough. And when I stop and I'm like, okay, Jamin, if you can just let the envy go, if you can just realize that you're doing this art and it's making a difference, that music, if anything, at the very, very least has an impact on you. That writing at the very, very least has an impact on you. And the kingdom is leavened inside of you when you do these things. You know, at the last project I did, I even dedicated it to my friend, Uh, Andy, and I just said right at the very beginning, 
to Andy, who always reminds me to do art for God and for myself, uh, regardless of its appreciation by, by any others. And that's a, that's a big statement for me because I don't always believe that. <laughs> There's always this hope that there would still be the reach. And you might be here today with the same thing. You're like, Jamin, uh, it's not necessarily that I want attention or to reach out or to have people see something I'm working on. But you might be here saying, like, I just feel so small, so insignificant. Like, like I can't make a difference for God. Like, I can't make a difference for Jesus. Like, the things that I do, they just don't pan out. I, I find myself feeling like, God, am I even, like, doing work for you? I find myself feeling guilty. I find myself feeling guilty. Someone comes up to me and I'm like, you know what? I could share with them about Jesus and what he's done in this exact moment. And yet, instead, I just talk to them about how their day is going and try to very cautiously and easily work my way into their life in hopes that I might be able to have that conversation down the road. But here Jesus comes and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who hid some leaven inside of three measures of flour. And it leavened the whole lump. It made a difference. It had to make a difference. Every time that you make a step for God, every time you make a step in the kingdom of heaven to bring a little bit of Jesus's politics into this world. And when I say Jesus's politics, I'm referring to the Sermon on the Mount. Because the way that Jesus advertises how heaven works is completely backwards from the way that we understand anything on this planet, any government on this planet. When somebody slaps us in the face, we throw them in jail or we call them out online and we slander them or we turn the world against them or we get them fired or we uh, send them to an execution chair. And yet Jesus is like, why don't you just turn the other cheek and get slapped again if that's what it comes to. See, this is the world that Jesus calls into being and he comes and tells us, live this out. This kind of kingdom is like yeast. It always has an effect. It doesn't matter how insignificant you feel like your effect had. It's still leavening the whole lump. Even if you're just a tiny little piece of leaven, just one little molecule, that leaven still does its work. It still has its impact on everything around you. But it's slow, and it's not always this mega type of reach thing. It's not always getting everyone's attention, but it's just working where it's at to shift and change everything around it. And Jesus shows us the truth of the parable, right? I mean, Jesus, he was the kingdom of heaven. He was the leaven. Just one guy comes out of nowhere. Nobody knows who this guy is. He's got 12 disciples. And now today, 2019, 2,000 years later, you're in this church building because of what he did back then. The little bit of leaven took over the whole world. And it's still got places that the kingdom of heaven is infiltrating. It's still got places that the kingdom of heaven is trying to uh, grow in. And it's part of our job to continue the mission of the parable, to be leaven in the place that you're at. And Jesus is always throwing analogies as to what you are in this world. You're the light of the world in a world full of darkness. Your seeds growing up out of the ground. You're leaven. You change everything around you. When you live out the kingdom. You know, uh, I had a friend back in high school who uh, uh, was really smart and apparently like a ninja. Uh, I don't know. He just he had like a black belt or something. So we always used to prod at him so that he'd try to take one of us out. We just want to see if it was true or not. 
but uh, never happened. But he was super smart. And I had this whole group of friends. He was a part of it. And pretty much everyone in this group uh, got saved or like came back to Jesus or kind of like re-caught on fire. Whatever the case might be, this group really just took off for God. Some of them never knew God before, it seemed, and now they did. But he was the one. The one that I couldn't get through to. But he always hung out with us. He still loved us. He didn't have problems with us. And I I hoped that the kingdom was slowly growing in him, that he would come to Jesus eventually. Uh, But he was really smart. So he knew how to have conversations, conversations that I myself did not know how to answer yet. Uh, But there was always that hope that he would know Jesus. And one of the ways in which I hoped he might come around is because he loved Lord of the Rings. And J.R.R. Tolkien, you know, a Christian, wrote all these and like, he was just constantly heading one of the Lord of the Rings books, no matter where I was. So like, maybe, maybe through this, he'll catch on. Eventually, our family moved. And uh, as we took off, he was like the one that I never felt like I really got through to out of all of my close friends. But then some time in college, I Facebook messaged him. And he just kind of messaged back. He's like, hey, Jamin, I just want you to know I became a Christian at 16. And uh, I just want to say thank you for the way that you were living. It showed me you know, really what it means to be a Christian and live in this world, but not of this world. So I just really appreciate it. And in that moment, I'm just like blown away. (laughs) I'm like the one that I couldn't get through to. Apparently God was still doing his work. Here I am with my group of friends and we're being leavened and we're trying to show all of us, whether we're Christian or not, who Jesus is. And we keep bubbling up. We keep growing. But still there's that, that one piece My buddy Bruce wasn't coming through. And then lo and behold, I find out years later that shortly after I moved, the leaven came through, slowly rising to the point that I could finally look back and see the difference. I didn't see it at the time. I feared it was a hopeless case. But now as I walked out of the room from the boiling pot and I enter back into the room, I can see the water's boiling. Now that I walked away from the bread that's slowly rising, I come back, I can see that it's finally sticking out. And already, we're beginning to see that it's slightly sticking out of this more than it was before. And we're going to leave in a while, and you're not going to see it like super high. If you were to stick around for a few hours, eventually you would see it. This is the call to you today, no matter where you find yourself. If you find yourself like me there on the Enneagram with that envy of everybody else who's, who's got the reach, who's got uh, the ability to show others what they're doing, and then Jesus comes to me and says, Jamin, you're loving. It's slow, and it seems like it's not doing a lot of work, but you're still doing it. There's still impact. Maybe in your own life, there's that person you've been trying to reach out to, and Jesus is coming to say, just keep going. You're loving. It's slow. You feel tiny, but it always has an impact. You know, we preached on Mark uh, last year and we saw a similar parable in which a farmer goes out into the field and he plants seeds and he goes to bed and the seeds rise up. He knows not how. That's the parable. And we're like, what are you talking about? He didn't water it. (laughs) He didn't weed anything. He didn't take care of it. He just went to bed and woke up and it's like it took care of itself. And kind of what we came to with the conclusion of that parable is God kind of showing us like the kingdom of heaven is a strong seed. God took care of it. He nourished it. The farmer planted it and then God rose it up. The same with the yeast. You plant the yeast, it rises up. 
doesn't matter if there's 50 pounds around you. Just imagine the impact that you could have now and even after you passed away. Think of my grandpa when he passed away. Man, his funeral was ginormous. <laughs> Just the amount of people that showed up, like everybody was there because of his, his slow, slow impact of caring for those around him to the point that now he's passed away and yet you still see the effects. I run into people all the time who, and if they know my grandpa, it's the first thing they want to talk about. <laughs> It's the same for us. The effects will come. We just need to slowly keep pushing forward to the point that one day we look back and we see it. So that's the invitation to you today. There are uh, so many different situations you might be able to apply that to in your own life. And so uh, I invite you as we continue to worship and the band comes up to take that time and submit it before Jesus and and just say, what do you want me to do with this? How can I move? What is the pacing that you want for me? Am I being obedient to your pacing or am I slacking off? Am I planting leaven or do I prefer to like not even get into that because it's so uh, weird to talk to my friends about Jesus? Because that's not what we're looking for either, right? <laughs> the slow leaven is not a way to say like, I'm just not going to talk about it because things move slowly. No, we're not ashamed of the gospel. We share it. So whatever the case may be in your life, it's the invitation to you now. Turn before God and say, am I leaven? What can I do to be more like leaven? How can I embody the very purpose of the slow moving yeast?